real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, <laughs> actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb and then smart again. I'm Helen Hong, recording from my closet with no pants on. And now, socially distancing from our homes in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Thank you for that lovely visual image uh, yeah. <laughs> of being in your closet without pants. Yeah. Uh, yes, this is our second remote episode. How have you been doing during uh, this quarantine time? I actually feel like I was built for this because <laughs> really? I'm... <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I just love doing nothing and sleeping mm-hmm. in and yeah. watching a lot of Netflix and Hulu. And I have a dog now, and that's really great. And, uh, you know, I'm one of those people who thinks that dogs are better than people. I've been thriving, actually. I have to say, decades of depression and social anxiety have really prepared me for this moment. It's uh, same. It's it's my time to shine. It's the the secret. The secret introvert's time to shine. Uh, No, I'm really. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear you're doing well. I've set up a little uh, recording studio on my dining room table. By recording studio, I mean my girlfriend cut up a memory foam pillow, lined an Amazon cardboard box with it, and I put my microphone in it, and then uh, hung up some blankets and bedspreads. So it looks like either I'm a podcaster or a recluse who is afraid of the sun or possibly both. Wow, that's that that's girlfriend love right there. I, think I mean she likes if me. she if she's going to glue some <laughs> Tempur-Pedic mattresses onto a cardboard box for you. Yeah. There's a lot that's going on. Love. You've actually still been able to uh, to do some work during this time. You you did a remote episode of Wait Wait? I did. Yeah, it's actually out right now as of the time that we're recording this. It's the current episode. I learned something on this uh, episode of Wait Wait. Did you know that everyone's butthole is as unique as their fingerprint? I did, and you don't want to know how. No, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, think, I think I had heard that. That's the kind of ground they're covering on uh, on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Now. Yeah, that's that's how much we've devolved in, in the times of in the in the times of the Corona. Even NPR is is going to butthole humor. Um, and and I actually said this. Uh, there was a comment that they cut out of the final recording, which I was disappointed yeah. that they cut out. Where I was like, "Oh my god, our buttholes are all snowflakes." Peter Sagal, and he said, "Yes, Helen." Our buttholes are all snowflakes. <laughs> I've actually been able to do a little work as well. I've, I've been able to keep my day job, knock on wood, working from home. And I actually, if I can do a little uh, a little plug, I actually wrote an article for the LA Times. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was on the cover of the calendar section about how the Upright Citizens Brigade did these layoffs during these, uh, these coronavirus times and maybe didn't handle it as well some other comedy theaters. And so um, I got to have my name in the newspaper. That now, I believe, is the fifth version of my name showing up in the LA Times. I have been a name in a theater review, you know, when they reviewed something I've done in a comedy feature. Uh, I also have written something for the travel section, now this, and as well as I believe I have had three letters to the editor printed in Los Angeles Times. Wow. uh, Because I'm an old busybody of a man. (laughs) (laughs) And I like to say, you said this wrong, and no, what about this movie? Uh, speaking of uh, people doing newsworthy things, I wanted to give an update. One of our experts from a previous episode, number 49, when we had the guest Atsuko Okatsuka on, we had a man from Wet Design, which does the great fountains that you've seen like at the Bellagio and the Americana at Brand, which was Atsuko's topic. Uh, they've pivoted their business and are making these face shields uh, right here in Southern California and are distributing those to uh, first responders, which you think You're is really kidding. cool. You're kidding. 
Yeah, uh, I would. I would on, not think. Yeah. I would not think like a fountain design company right. could pivot. It's to an interesting pivot. It's, it's very different. Well, apparently, this is not the time that people want liquid shot at them. So um, <laughs> they've they've gone for they've gone a different route. A lot of the parts that they have for their intricate and elaborate fountains have to be custom made. So they just have a tooling shop. So instead of getting stuff you know sent over from China, they're able to uh, adjust, and they've made these incredible face shields, which I think is wow. really cool. I saw that on the news. Yay! Um, claps, claps for wet design. Thank you, wet design. All right, let's get to it. Today on Go Fact Yourself, one of our previous guests will return to compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics, and finally, we'll see if that guest can rack up enough points to beat his previous score. Let's get started and meet today's guest. Helen, who is it? He is the co-host of the Maximum Fun podcast, Jordan Jesse Go, and the creator of the Maximum Fun podcast, Bubble, who also is a writer on the upcoming Disney Plus show, Earth to Ned. Let's welcome Jordan Morris. Hi, guys. Happy to be here. Hi, Thank Jordan. you. Happy to have you. Uh, I guess I should tell you my recording situation because Helen, Helen was kind of painting a mental picture for us. I am in my living room. I have a microphone on a stack of books. I am wearing pants, oh. uh, but I do have I do have one testicle hanging out. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that devil may care attitude that uh, Jordan exhibits. Hey, there's a new Jordan. normal, guys. There's a new exactly. normal. You can have a ball out and do a podcast. How do you determine which testicle gets to be the one that is exposed? Excellent follow-up question, Helen. That's why we have you around. They draw straws. (laughs) Short short straw stays in the pants. Jordan, dare I ask how how are you handling things in this time of uh, of yeah, social distancing? I, <laughs> I am I am doing okay. Um, you know, considering I have good health, I have some work from home gigs, uh, mm-hmm. which are which I'm I'm lucky to have. Uh, I think as all apartment people are, I am just getting absolutely obsessed as to what my neighbors are doing that makes all that noise. Mm. <laughs> yeah. What is your best they, guess at this juncture? Ah. Uh, Boy, just like filling <laughs> filling a, a chest of drawers filled with marbles and then knocking it over every night <laughs> around 1045. <laughs> <laughs> or like jumping jacks with one ski boot on. <laughs> you know what? Whatever works. Jordan, have you considered that they're thinking, boy, this neighbor guy of mine sounds like he's recording a podcast with one testicle out. Yeah, I know. This guy who talks to himself for about an hour every week uh, and then is playing uh, exclusively video games where demons scream when you kill them. That is also something that I'm doing that I am sure my neighbors uh, are wondering about. So if you're uh, in my building Mm -hmm. and you're wondering what I'm doing, it's recording the occasional podcast and playing a lot of demon based video games. Hmm. Excellent. Uh, Now, you have been doing some uh, remote recordings for Jordan Jesse Go. Yeah, so our, our, our chat show, Jordan Jesse Go, uh, which the two of you have uh, have been on in the past. Um, and it's such uh, a delight, such a delight. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, you guys are so funny when you come on. And yeah, we love doing it. And we're, we're kind of, we're, we're lucky enough that we've been able to set up a version of the show that is, uh, you know, uh, comparable to the, and uh, thankfully have not missed a week yet. I mean, obviously we like doing the show uh, IRL uh, better, which I'm sure you guys do too. But um, yeah, sure. I'm just glad we can, you know, do it every week for the people who listen, but also for me as someone who lives alone in an apartment, 
I am just so glad to get to talk to someone. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I need podcasts for my sanity. Yeah, I have to say, when I asked you uh, about appearing on this show, I got the feeling that you texted back yes before I even had hit send. <laughs> I saw the dots. <laughs> yeah. I, I just have, I just was looking at your name and I saw yeah. the dots and I'm like, yes. Now, uh, well, as I get a to member talk of the maximum- to someone? Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Uh, Jordan, as a member of the Maximum Fund family, your show produces bonus content every year that people can get yes. uh, if they're a member of Maximum Fund by going to MaximumFund.org slash join. So you did a very interesting thing for your bonus content this year. Tell us about that. Uh, we did. We we created a drinking game for the show that we then played without knowing the rules. Um, it was kind of <laughs> cool. So we kind of... We crowdsourced our ticks for the show. Jordan Jesse Go. It's a you know, it's just kind of an aimless uh, a chat show, very podcast 1.0. There are running jokes. There's vocal ticks. There's you know, just the things that you notice when when you've been like listening to a podcast for a while. So we kind of crowdsourced what those were. Our producer Brian Fernandez compiled them, and so we just did an episode of the show. And every time one of those ticks would come up, he would ring a bell, and then. Um, our guest was uh, Ben Harrison from The Greatest Generation Show, also on MaximumFun.org. And so he and I, every time the bell rang, would have to drink a lukewarm Bud Light <laughs> seltzer. Ew. Oh, oh a Bud Light lukewarm. seltzer. Yes. Is that, like a, is that like a White Claw knockoff? It is. It, it's, 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 it's for people who think White Claw is just too classy. You know? <laughs> If you're tired of those snobs, you know, on their yachts drinking White Claw, you want a people's alcoholic seltzer for the working man. And that's why the working man drinks Bud Light seltzer. Uh, No, these things are really gross. Just to make it more unpleasant, our producer warmed them up intentionally. He, like, uh, had them out of the fridge uh, uh, for a couple hours before the taping. Jesse doesn't drink alcohol, but he does... occasionally use marijuana for his migraines so he was able to drink a pot infused soda so yeah the whole thing just falls apart by the end it's chaos it was really (laughs) fun to do so yeah if you're a member uh you can check out that episode and you can also download the uh, rules to the drinking game to play yourself (laughs) and jordan were there any uh ticks of yours that you were surprised to learn that uh contributed to your inebriation yeah i say yeah no a lot i don't know what that is (laughs) yeah no probably do it a couple times over the course of this show. Um, Ooh, I'm going to get a drink ready. Yeah. I'm going to get some lukewarm Bud Light seltzer ready. Ooh, yeah. Which treat I, yourself. Which I always keep in my uh, emergency quarantine kit, of course. I'm going to take, take my very fancy White Claw out of the fridge right now. Ooh uh, la la. <laughs> Jordan, tell us about Earth to Ned, the show that you uh, wrote for that's coming up on Disney+. Plus. Oh, yeah. Earth to Ned. This was a blast. This is, is some of the most fun I've ever had writing for TV. Um it is a uh, show coming up on Disney Plus. It is from the Jim Henson Company. Um, oh, cool. It is a talk show hosted by a giant alien puppet who gets celebrities in a tractor beam and uh, forces them to be on his talk show. Um, yeah, and it's got a crazy cast of characters made by the Jim Henson Company. The puppets look amazing. Wow. Um, yeah, it is a very weird, very crazy show. It was a little bit of a dream come true. I'm a big Muppets fan from way back, so like being able to work with those the types of characters and work with that sort of artistry was just uh was just a dream it was so much fun and uh yeah it is uh it is coming out soon on your disney plus machine have you shot it already like were you on set with the with the puppets i was and it it's totally amazing to watch you know the main puppet ned nine people are required to operate him he's such wow. a an amazing Whoa. organism 
you know, all of us grew up with Muppets and, you know, other kind of products from the Jim Henson company. You know, you know how attached you get to those characters basically immediately. So it was so strange, you know, while you were on set, you know, the puppets come to life. He's talking to the celebrities. He's making jokes. And then, you know, when they call cut and everyone breaks, the puppets just slump over. And, <laughs> oh. and it is so sad You because it, it's not just, oh, something's wrong with him. You're thinking something's wrong with my friend. My friend is in trouble. Oh. <laughs> you know, so it's a very jarring thing to see just these creatures that are so lifelike and have so much personality just kind of slump over lifeless. Um, oh. But luckily you will not see any of that in the show. Uh, it'll just be uh, these really, really delightful characters interacting with delightful celebrities. Uh, it's a blast. I'm really excited for people to see it. Mm. That's so cool. Congratulations on that. And thank you for joining us today. And hopefully I will not slump over lifelessly uh, during the rest of this recording. <laughs> uh, fu- fu- funny uh, piece of trivia. Jay Keith uh, has nine puppeteers operating at all times. <laughs> That's true. They're all wearing masks. Jordan, in your previous appearance on Go Fact Yourself on episode number 24, we asked you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you felt you have expertise. You told us you knew a lot about the La Brea Tar Pits, The Simpsons, and 1990s third wave ska revival. Uh, We chose for your topic the La Brea Tar Pits. Let's listen to a little of that segment now. I kind of live close to it, so if I'm having a rough day, I can just stroll on down to the tar pits. Uh, I grew up in New York, and when I first moved to L.A., I just thought it was such a weird thing that they had this museum of, like, animals that had fallen into a hole in the ground and been trapped there. And then I thought, what a fitting thing for Los Angeles. Like, people come here to Hollywood with all these hopes and dreams, and then they get... Just right. sucked into the ground. And then when, someone, when a mammoths were stuck in the tar, oh. the wolves would jump on it yeah. to kill it, and they would get stuck too, and <laughs> nobody will buy my screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta make it into a podcast. <laughs> uh, actually, a big reason why I like the La Brea Tar Pits is because it was like a field trip destination for oh. us growing up. So I associate it with having a day off of school. Hmm. I did not know until that episode that I was super interested in the La Brea Tar Pits. Yeah, it was really cool. We had uh, Dr. Belisi, who works at the La Brea Tar Pits, come and uh, talk to us about that. Have you been back to the Tar Pits since then, Jordan? Oh, absolutely. Uh, when I need to just, you know, clear my mind and think about the plight of the noble Glyptodon, uh, I can just kind of <laughs> stroll over. It's free for L.A. residents after three. It's one of my happy places. Are you close enough that if you open your window, you can smell the that asphalty smell? Oof, not quite, but that's the dream. That's the dream is just to move, (laughs) to be tar adjacent. All right, well, in that episode, you played against Allison Rosen and her topic, The Facts of Life. Helen, what was the final score of that game? Jordan got nine and a half points, and Allison won with 12 points. Still very good scores on both parts, but today you're going to try to beat your previous score of nine and a half and see if you can top Allison's 12 points. Now, since we already quizzed you about the La Brea Tar Pits, we're going to let you take a crack at your other two topics, and that's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Welcome back to Fireside Chat on KMAX. With me in studio to take your calls is the dopest duo on the West Coast, Oliver Wong and Morgan Rhodes. Go ahead, caller. Hey. 
uh, I'm looking for a music podcast that's insightful and thoughtful, but like also helps me discover artists and albums that I've never heard of. Yeah, man. Sounds like you need to listen to Heat Rocks every week. Myself and I'm Morgan Rhodes and my co-host here, Oliver Wong, talk to influential guests about a canonical album that has changed their lives. Guests like Moby, Open Mike Eagle, talk about albums by Prince, Joni Mitchell, and so much more. Yo, what's that show called again? Heat Rocks, deep dives into hot records. Every Thursday on Maximum Fun. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where Jordan Morris will try to beat his previous score of nine and a half points. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thanks, Helen. All right, Jordan, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the La Brea Tar Pits, the Simpsons, and the 1990s third wave ska revival. We're going to quiz you now about the 1990s third wave ska revival. Uh, so first of all, for those who don't know, which included me until I started researching this, uh, what is the 1990s third wave ska revival? <laughs> well, uh, ska music uh, was a uh, a Jamaican dance hall phenomenon in the 60s and 70s. Uh, it made its way over to England uh, uh, via uh, Jamaican immigrants in the 80s, um, uh, where you got bands like... Uh, uh, the specials and madness and the English beat. Uh, who maybe you uh, you know if you and that that um, would be the second wave. That would be the second wave or the two tone wave. Yeah, so the, a lot of those bands people might know if they uh, you know listened to kind of eighties new wave radio in the in the nineties. There was kind of a little flare up of that kind of music. It took in some uh, a lot of punk influences. Took a, in some indie rock influences. And there was a, a big boom of it focused in my hometown of Orange County, California. Uh, it was a big thing for me in high school. It was this kind of the live show scene was very fun. You know, it was kind of a good, I, I would call it punk rock training wheels, kind of, mm-hmm. if you, you know, <laughs> wanted to rage against the system, but also, you know, wanted to wear rainbow suspenders and checkerboard bands. <laughs> Which you did. Which I did uh, in in public and proudly. Um, It can be kind of a punchline these days because it was, um, you know, I think it it was seen as so goofy. But I I think a lot of the music, um, you know, uh, holds up and uh, it was a very fun time in my life. Uh, I worship Rainbow Suspenders as well, but that was more of a tribute to Mork and Mindy. Sure, Uh, yeah. who, (laughs) Who were some of your favorite bands from that? Third Wave Scott Revival. Definitely kind of the like Orange County hometown heroes were uh, Save Ferris, uh, the Aquabats, Real Big Fish. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I took it in. I took it all in. You know, there was uh, Less Than Jake was a favorite, the Slackers, uh, an East Coast band. Those were some some of the faves that still would, pop up on uh, Spotify uh, would these the, days. Would the band No Doubt can be considered part of that? Yeah, I think they were probably the most famous band that kind of came out of that scene, uh, mm. for sure. All right, well, just ahead, we're going to list the help of a bona fide expert in 1990s third wave ska revival to test your mastery in the subject with our expert level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about the topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. And Jordan, just to be clear, you do promise not to Google any of these answers? Nope. If you, if anybody hears uh, clacking keys, uh, please mm-hmm. uh, cut off my mic immediately. All right. <laughs> Hopefully it's not the cat. Uh, running on the keyboard either. <laughs> it happens. It happens. I'm so. sure. All right, here we go. Question number one, Jordan. The third wave ska revival was preceded, as you mentioned, by the second wave. And before that, the first wave, which really was just ska. But all of these styles find their roots in the music from what Caribbean island nation? Uh, that would be Jamaica. Helen? That is correct. 
That is correct for the point. I was surprised to learn that uh, the reggae music might be what some people associate as the music of Jamaica. Ska actually came first and influenced reggae music. One point there for Jordan. Question number two. The Mighty Mighty Boss Tones conquered records, radio, television, and also film when they portrayed the band at a fraternity party in what 1995 Alicia Silverstone movie? Uh, that'd be Clueless, Jay Keith. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. The Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, part of the third wave ska revival. Do you consider them that, uh, Jordan? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they were They were a fave. That actually might have been, you know, you know what? I think my first live concert ever was Mighty Mighty Boss Tones and uh, Dropkick Murphy's opening for them. Not a ska there band, but another uh, Boston fave. Excellent. Well, uh, in the movie, as a fun fact, they played their hits Where'd You Go and Someday, I Suppose. Uh, Jordan, you're two for two. Here's question number three. Originally a late second wave band, this New York group lasted long enough to become a third wave icon, although they are probably best known to the public for their theme song for Nickelodeon show Kablam. <laughs> Who is this band? Ah, that's the Toasters. Already. That's the Toasters. Ellen? <laughs> that is correct. That is correct, the Toasters. I think that song is Two-Tone Army, if I'm uh, not, not mistaken, the one that became that the That is correct, uh, which is a theme. reference to Two-Tone, the, that second wave uh, that you had mentioned previously. Sure. Fun fact, I did not find a great fun fact about the band, but I did find that Wolf Gourmet sells a four-slice toaster for the home with a list price of $499.95. Wow. Yes. So if you want some (laughs) HD toast for $500, Wolf Gourmet has you hooked up. Right. Uh, It could could project an ultra-clear version of The Force Awakens (laughs) onto your bagel. As the filmmaker intended. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but but can I get the face of Jesus on my toast with this gourmet? Oh. <laughs> that, uh, that costs extra. Yeah. 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 Uh, you pray hard enough. Three. You pray hard enough and don't tell any <laughs> yeah. lies. And Jesus will uh, appear on your ego. Uh, <laughs> Lego, my savior. Uh, sure. Jordan, here's question number four. What band gave 385 live performances in 1996, setting a new Guinness World Record for most performances by a touring band? Oh boy! Um, you yeah, do the hints available. Like yeah, I think I'll I think I'll take the hint. Helen, how about that first hint? The name of the band is also the name of a James Bond movie. Oh, a James. Okay, so what? Are, oh, that's probably Goldfinger, huh? Helen? That is correct. Excellent use of the hint. It is Goldfinger. That's amazing. 385 live performances, if I'm not mistaken, 365 days in a year. That is not the fun fact. Uh, The fun fact is that (laughs) the frontman John Feldman, successful songwriter and music producer, collaborated with Blink-182, Panic at the Disco, and Hilary Duff. Jordan, you have a chance to go five for five with this. Hillary Duff's early stuff was pretty hardcore. Yes. I don't know. A it lot was, of, she put was. out a lot of little seven inches. Um, she was doing hardcore matinees. It's pretty groundbreaking stuff. Um, <laughs> well, she got a little poppier. Why. She got a little poppier <laughs> yeah. later in her career, but. Uh, uh, I know so yeah. little about the music of Hillary Duff. I don't know if you're kidding or not. <laughs> yeah, I can't tell. I can't tell you if you're what? being sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I I think I am, but if I'm not, if Hillary yeah. Duff I was has literally some... I was literally like, "Oh, wow. No, I did not know that." <laughs> yeah. Uh, the good thing is if if that's true, uh, a listener will let us know on Twitter. Um, oh boy. All right. Love Jordan, those. Love those. You don't need to have a chance to go 5 for 5. Here's your last question. The third wave ska revival was so popular that it even garnered the attention of Weird Al Yankovic. Though not a parody of any specific song, what track from his Running With Scissors album did parody the genre? I think it's your horoscope for today. I can sing some of it if it would get me a bonus point. 
please do. Okay, here we go. Uh, Aquarius, there's travel in your future when your tongue freezes to the back of a speeding bus. Fill that void in your pathetic life by playing whack-a-mole 17 hours a day. Helen? I don't even know if the singing was correct, but the Mm -hmm. answer was correct. (laughs) There you go. Yes, it's actually called Your Horoscope Today, just like that. Uh, Jordan Morris has gone five for five. Hey! Take that, that. Allison Rosen. I'm still just lashing out at (laughs) Allison Rosen because I've been carrying this burden with me like a pack mule. Uh, fun fact on that song, uh, Weird Al, it sounds like he's parodying the band Real Big Fish, which would make sense since two of its members play on that track. Jordan, you obviously did very well in that round, but now here is your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It's time for your cluster fact. Whoa, thank you so much, <laughs> listeners. Uh, those ooze that you just heard actually were compiled by one of our listeners, Brandon J. Carr, and made of individual listeners saying ooh and sending it to Brandon J. Carr. So thank you so much for our listeners for giving us that live show feel by uh, saying ooh into a microphone on your telephone and emailing it to a stranger, which I'm sure must have felt a little weird at the time. I would stand up and cheer, but I'm still not wearing any pants. <laughs> I understand. All right, Jordan, here we go. We'll bring in an expert to assess your response. In 1996, a Southern California band won a Grammy showcase for Best Unsigned Band, and they didn't stay unsigned for long. The following year, they had their biggest hit with a cover of a 1982 one-hit wonder. For up to three points, what was the name of the band named for a line in a John Hughes movie? What cover of a 1982 song was their biggest hit? And what lead singer of this band was described by Billboard magazine as a vocal seductress? <laughs> uh, I thought the I thought the cluster fact was supposed to be hard. This is uh, this is oh, easy. No. So the band uh, the band is Say Ferris. Uh, mm-hmm. The cover is Dexy's Midnight Runners. Come on, Eileen. And uh, lead singer is uh, Monique Powell. We sound pretty confident. Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Here with us tonight is a singer, songwriter, and vocal seductress who is the lead singer of the ska revival band Save Ferris. Let's welcome <gasps> Monique Powell. Hi, Monique. Hey. How you doing? Wow. Cool. Hi. I'm doing great. Hey. Wow. What a thrill. No, it's just a thrill that anybody remembers 90s third wave ska or that anybody wants to for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, when we asked Jordan his favorite bands from that era, the very first band that he mentioned was Save Ferris. Oh, Jordan. I, I was wearing a Save Ferris t-shirt in my uh, like high school driver's license photo. Amazing. I love that. I think that's so great. I also love that um, like you can sing Come On Eileen to the tune of COVID-19 as well. <laughs> I love that you said that as if it's something that everybody has uh, thought of and, and has yeah. been doing. Although now I will. Yeah, it like took everyone a second, but then they sung it in their head yeah. and they realized that yes, yeah, yeah, I'm singing We're it. All I'm, I'm singing it, it yeah. right now. Uh-huh. Sure. Guys, let's Go all try ahead. it. One, two, nineteen. Hold on. Uh, what's the second line? <laughs> Oh, uh, we are quarantine. Oh. We're in quarantine. Moment. <laughs> Social go. distancing. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Yes, yes, yes. Perfection. Amazing. Unbelievable. Uh, Monique, how are you doing? How are you doing during this weird time? Excellent, because I don't have to make any excuses to anybody as to why I don't want to hang out today. Yay. <laughs> Same. All I have to say is, you know. <laughs> Where have you been? Oh, you know. 
You know, you know. Uh, well, it's really great that you've been able to join us. Uh, you actually have joined us on the show before as a guest. You were on our very our fifth episode very early on. Your topic was cat behavior. Uh, what is your current cat situation? Well, actually, um, I do have my boy cat here at my place in Hollywood, and I'm just trying to keep his weight down because I don't want him to overtake me in my sleep. He's kind of like <laughs> scary. <laughs> freaks me out a little bit. <laughs> uh, Jordan, you can relate to this uh, concern. Oh yeah, I've got a I've got a little chubbikins myself, and yes, I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried that she'll uh, she'll want to take over the apartment. Oh yeah, no, 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 he doesn't want the apartment. He wants my body. Oh, oh sure, sure, yeah. Sure. How is it's, um, it's terrifying? How's the cat doing with the with the, all the isolating in this in the quarantining? Oh my god, he loves it. He's like, finally, my wife is home. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, she's not going off on all these business trips. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. 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 Now, Monica, do you, did you consider Say Ferris third wave revival ska? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm like a huge fan of Second Wave. Um, you know, Neville from the Specials was on the last EP. I actually saw him last month when I was in the UK. We hung out at his little house. So I'm a huge Second Wave fan. So I just really, it's like really important to me that people are aware that like the Third Wave, it's it's, it's, its own story. It's, mm. it's uh, got its own sound and its own... Um, fun playfulness to it mm -hmm. um and honestly we really weren't saying anything i think that the ska before us had a lot more to say we were just like okay. hey i'm white and middle class and let's have a good time <laughs> Woo! Yeah. that sounds like orange county that uh <laughs> jordan yeah. was describing before yeah right yeah uh, see jordan sounds like we're the same person in a lot of ways. Yeah, I'm sure we were both at the uh, Irvine Spectrum around the same time in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. It's a really I've... good cheesecake factory down there at the Irvine Spectrum. <laughs> I actually also refer to Jordan as a vocal seductress. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes, and I sure. have to say, Jay Keith, I love yeah. that you and Allison Rosen know each other. Oh, yeah. That actually was, was, through, uh, that actually was through Jordan. Uh, Jordan got her on the show, and, and uh, we've become friendly since then as well. Do you, you know Allison as well? Yes. So Allison wrote quite, po quite possibly one of the first articles about Save Ferris ever in Orange County, like in the Orange County Weekly oh, or BAM or something like that. But yeah, she and I um, maintained, a, you know, a little bit of like... Um, a friendship with each other through the years. I'm a huge fan of hers. Huge. Oh wow, that's so cool. We're all we're all friends. I actually friends. did her show. I did her podcast too. Uh, her show's a blast for sure. I haven't been on her show. And here we thought we were special, Monique. <laughs> <laughs> well, guess what? <laughs> You're gonna have to uh, start no, Monique... your own ska wave in order to be as special as me. <laughs> yeah, that, that clearly is the only solution. Now, Monique, yeah. uh, the band broke up in two, in 2003. You got you brought it back in 2013. How how did the sound change from taking a 10 year uh, break? Well, everything changed in mm -hmm. you know in the industry and obviously in music. Oh, sure. And I was older. Um, I, I felt like I had just been sort of let out of this time capsule. Um, I, I had a lot of, um, catching up to do, that's for sure. So the sound was very different when I brought the band back. The last EP we did, um, I tried to keep some of the old sounds alive 
Mm-hmm. But being a, a woman in her 40s singing songs like Spam and Under 21 just doesn't have the same allure. Yeah. Well, by the time you, you got know? back, was it uh, had you entered the fourth wave of ska revival? I'm still trying to figure out what that is. <laughs> I think that it has something to do. I, I really think that it has just something to do with what's going on in Latin America, where it's just like like satanic ska. It's like oh, I didn't like know that was metal. a thing. Well, I don't know if they call it that, but it's like metal ska. It's pretty rad. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And one of the things that's been consistent uh, with Seyferis over the over the years is that you you don't play to a track when you play live. And I was surprised to learn that a lot of bands of that of that era did. Why, why was that important to you to to not play to a track? I don't know. It just was never my thing. And then when we did Warp Tour in 2017, you know, I came back like mm-hmm. 17 years after the last Warp Tour I did. Everyone mm. just had these huge like sounds on stage and pyrotechnics and stuff. And I was like, what is happening? And I realized that um, we were up against like much bigger sounds. And mm-hmm. so when we played in between like Attila and, Jeez. you know, I don't know, like <laughs> municipal waste, like we were screwed, but oh, municipal actually. Mm. But that was pretty crazy, and we still don't play to track, and and I don't want mm-hmm. to if I don't have to. But what a weird concept to play live music live! It blows me away. Like I've seen a couple bands live that really play to track, and I'm like, I yeah. could be listening to this at home where I'm comfortable, yeah. and I didn't have to put on underwear to hear it. <laughs> it sounds exactly the same. It sounds exactly that speaks to the Helen, same. I'm sure. Girl, I'm pantsless yeah. right now. I feel you. <laughs> I mean, I don't literally yeah. feel you, but I, I feel you. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. I was also a little surprised to learn that when, when you first started the Warp Tour in, in 98, you was it true that you were the only female-fronted band? I was. Wow. I was the first lady. Well, at the time, I was a lady. Now I'm abroad. But I was the first lady <laughs> to do. You were the only female-fronted band in the whole tour that year? That's an embarrassment. We were the first. Good for them. As well. Yeah. I yeah. mean, there was. it was the first official warp Tour in 98. We did all seven weeks. But, you know, there just wasn't a lot of women in our scene at the time. But mm. uh, to Kevin Lyman's credit, the tour was run almost exclusively by women and Kevin Lyman. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty cool um, because through all the years that Warped Tour continued, it was, um, you know, the people pulling the strings and making it happen mm-hmm. were women, which was super great. And then yes. I got to come back in t- 2017 and I was the oldest woman on Warped Tour. <laughs> which at least and implies that, that there were other women there now. Yeah. So many. You have no idea. There's so many women. And I would like the first women's magazine that I did an interview for when I was on the 2017 Warp Tour, they were like, so how is it being a woman in a man's industry? Is it hard? And I was like, who, what, huh? I'm in heaven right now. There are women everywhere. Like, don't talk to me about it being hard. You know, this is all, I was like having the time of my life. Now, I know one of the reasons that you took some time off is that you, you've been very public about some health issues that you had uh, back then. And, and uh, it, w- it was possible that you were not going to be able to to sing again. Um, w- what was it like to to have that as a possibility and then to realize that you could? I mean, it was the reason why I brought the band back. I just thought right before I went into surgery, I basically mm-hmm. 
made a deal with uh, my dad. And I said, if I wake up and I can still sing and I can still walk, then I'm going to bring the band back. And I woke up and I saw my dad and I was like, oh man, I got to do this now. And I'm glad I did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, That's good good news all around. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked Jordan Morris. He did not seem to think it was challenging enough. But nevertheless, we wanted to know first, uh, what was that Southern California band that won the Grammy Showcase? Helen, what did Jordan say? Jordan said, save Ferris. And was he right? He was correct. He was correct. That's a there. That's a point there for Jordan. Very good. Uh, next, nice. we wanted to know what cover of a 1982 song was that band's biggest hit. Helen, what did Jordan say? Jordan said, "Come on, Eileen." And Monique? He was correct. Oh, that's another point for Jordan. Looks like that confidence is starting to pay off. And finally, wanted to know who was the lead singer of the band that was described by Billboard magazine as a vocal seductress. Helen, what did Jordan say? Jordan said Monique Powell. And Monique Powell? That was me. (laughs) That was you. It you. Congratulations, Jordan. You achieved a perfect score in this entire round. Wow, yeah. What a a thrill. It's so so cool to, uh, to talk to you, Monique. I was absolutely at that Warped Tour. Oh my goodness! Which one were you at? San Diego? Uh, the uh, no, I probably did the the I probably did the Orange County Fairgrounds, where the old Wild Rivers uh, water park used to be. Oh my be. god, I remember Wild Rivers, amazing! And now, Monique, well, why, why did the band choose to do "Come On Eileen" as a cover? My sister, who's here now, she sends her love. Um, she's older than I am and was definitely a huge part of my musical influences growing up. And I just remember that being a song on early K-Rock radio that my sister would listen to. And I remember it making me very happy. And I really loved that song. And that was kind of the same thing with the third wave sky, like made me really happy. And I loved the scene and I felt it had the same sort of spirit um, musically as our scene did. And I just really love that song. So I really wanted to cover it. And um, had I known that that was going to be the first single and like the song that everybody now thinks I wrote, I probably would have chosen something else. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's like an entire, yeah, there's like entire generations of people who are like, you wrote the best song ever. And I was like, not come on Eileen, not me. Didn't write it. Oh, uh, well, cool. Uh, Jordan, is there anything you'd like to ask of uh, Monique Powell we have her here? Yeah, I'd love to hear about writing, going back and writing new songs after, um, you know, not not working with this band for uh, for that long. Um, was it easy to pick up for, uh, from like where you left off? It wasn't. And I, you know, was starting out with new members. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it was like, I was, like I said, I was kind of like, um, you know, a new, new person. I was 10 years older. I had been through all of these life-changing experiences and it was like, wow, how do I get to appeal, um, musically to the people who love certain aspects of Save Ferris that, um, you know, it's like, oh man, how do I bring something so youthful to a lady that's so old? And so I, um, I found the life in me and did it. But, you know, I just realized I can only write from my own experience and I can only write with my own voice. And fortunately, that seems to be working. Although this, so this next full length that I'm working on now, 
is taking a long time. And I think mostly it's because I want the Safera sound to have grown. And I want it to still mm-hmm. have some relevance musically in modern times. And so the hardest part has been how to modernize the sound only slightly so that we can still play live without playing the track and sound okay. But then yeah. like <laughs> but then like have songs that are, you know, relevant. You kind of sound like you're an artist and doing things that artists do. <laughs> I hate every minute of it. <laughs> Monique, I'm just kidding. I love it. I, I love it. I love it. Monique, I will say, even though I do feel seduced by your voice. <laughs> I haven't heard a word you've said because the entire time you've been talking, I've just been singing COVID-19. Right. Oh, yeah, COVID-19. <laughs> this will be your legacy, Monique. Monique, it was wonderful for you to join us. If people want to find out more about what you're up to, where can they go? Well, they can go to com, or they can go to SaveFerrisOfficial on um, Instagram. Um, where we will be hopefully in the near future having some more shows that we can talk about. Um, but until then, everything's canceled. <laughs> right. Well, on that happy note. Uh... <laughs> I think I think when the current in the current moment, the yes. current moment that we are all in, yeah. the, the world needs the third wave ska revival more than ever. Yes. 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 I was about to say, it sounded like you were going into some sort of goth ska revival with that, <laughs> with that message. Monique, thank you so much for joining us. Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Jordan Morris has eight points. Oh, he's on the precipice of beating his previous score. We're going to talk with Jordan about another topic he knows about. Plus, later, Jordan will try to add his score further in our Fast Facts round. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And we host Round Springfield. Round Springfield is a new Simpsons podcast that is Simpsons adjacent. Mm -hmm. Um, In its topic, we talk to Simpsons writers, directors, voiceover actors, you name it, about non-Simpsons things that they've done. Because, surprise, they're all extremely talented. Absolutely. For example, David X. Cohen worked on The Simpsons, but then created a little show called Futurama. Mm -hmm. That's our very first episode. So tune in for stuff like that with Yardley Smith, with Tim Long, with different writers and voice actors. It's going to be so much fun. And we are every other week on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself. I'm still not wearing any pants. Jordan Morris currently has eight points and he's trying to beat his previous score of nine and a half points and his previous competitor score of 12 points. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, Helen's pants, wherever you are. Uh, All right, Jordan, now for a quiz on your last topic, The Simpsons. Uh, Tell us again, why did you choose this topic? Yeah, well, I'm, you know, I'm a comedy nerd in my late 30s, so obviously, you know, The Simpsons uh, was and perhaps still is the most important thing in the world to me. Uh, yeah, it was a, it was just it was just huge for me when I was a kid. It, you know, it's it was this awesome show that felt like it was speaking directly to me and it made me want to like learn more about comedy and it made me want to do comedy and yeah, and I still it's still kind of my comfort food show it's it, it's always there it always makes me feel better when i'm having a crummy day and uh yeah it still holds up 
it amazingly well. It's still uh, just, you know, the, one of the funniest things ever created. The show's been on, I think now it's in its 31st season. Uh, do you think you've seen all of the episodes? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I definitely when I'm, you know, w- when I'm binging, I'm binging kind of the stuff from when I was in uh, junior high, high school. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I've probably seen close to every episode. Wow. And do you have a favorite? Or a few favorites? Homer the Heretic uh, from season three is one of my favorite episodes. It's where Homer decides he's going to stop going to church. And it's this really kind of funny look at organized religion and kind of in that zone. Lisa the Skeptic is also a great episode Mm. that I rewatched the other day. It's (laughs) where the people of Springfield think they found an angel fossil. And Lisa (laughs) is the one kind of trying to get everybody to uh, have a little common sense. Both of those are great examples of how The Simpsons treats religion, I think in a in a way that is neither calling it hogwash or, you know, calling it the absolute truth. It kind of has fun with the gray area. That's very insightful. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with our three-part question. But before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about your topic, The Simpsons, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints for these five questions. And again, will you please renew your promise of no cheating? Of course not. What? There's nothing. You won't renew your promise? (laughs) Oh, no. I I am renewing my promise of no cheating. Uh, If there's one thing I believe in... It is yes. the sanctity of go fact yourself. <laughs> oh, yes. Speaking speaking of religiosity, thank <laughs> yeah. you for making us your temple. All right, here's question number one. All of the main voice cast from The Simpsons have won Emmy Awards for their work on the show, but only one of them also won for Best Supporting Actress on a live-action sitcom in 1978. Who? 1978. Um, was it Yardley Smith? Uh, Helen, is it Yardley Smith? It is not Yardley Smith. No, I'm terribly oh, sorry. No. We thought that we thought that was a gimme. No, it was Julie Kavner yeah. for Rhoda. Oh my gosh! Because she played Rhoda's sister, Brenda Morgenstern. I don't believe I uh, Yardley hint. Smith was uh, was active at that time. That's all right. Uh, you stumbled there, but let's see how you come back on question number two. The Simpsons have been all around the world and made fun of most of the places they visited, but not everyone had such a good sense of humor about it. What city's tourism board threatened to sue the show after a 2002 episode called Blame It on Lisa depicted the Simpsons being robbed by children and attacked by monkeys? Oh, um, gosh, I think I'm going to need a hint for this one. All right. How about that first hint, Helen? It is the second most populous city in Brazil. Oh, uh, Rio de Janeiro? Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Jordan for the point. Blame It on Lisa is a reference to Blame It on Rio, a movie from the 80s. Uh, Fun fact, executive producer James L. Brooks later apologized for the offense. Uh, (laughs) All right, Jordan, question number three. Season 27, episode 21 from 2016 was called Simprovised. It started like most Simpsons episodes, but its ending was unique. Aside from being partially improvised, what made the last few minutes unlike any other episode of The Simpsons aired before or since? Gosh, hmm. I kind of know. You, you know, have I'll, a second I'll, hint I'll, available if you want to use it. You might want to save that. It's up to you. I'll take the hint from you. I'd like to be sure. All right, Helen, how about that second hint? The segment featured Homer answering questions, and the East Coast saw different content than the West Coast. So it was live. So they had some sort of technology where Homer could kind of riff on questions from the fans. So I think it was, is uh, is, is that too broad an answer that it was live and he was taking questions? Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Okay. It was aired live. That's exactly correct. Very good. Very good use of the hint. You're out of hints with two more questions to go. Let's see how this goes for you, though. Question number four. The Simpsons is known for a cavalcade of famous guest stars. But which of the following people has not provided a voice on the show? Penny Marshall. 
Julian Assange, Derek Jeter, Katy Perry, Gore Vidal, or Teller? I know Teller's done it. I know Penny Marshall's done it. Boy, Gore Vidal, Katy Perry, Julian, Julian Assange, Assange, and Derek Jeter. What a desert island that would be. <laughs> I know. Boy, I am going to say, oof. I'm going to oof. Do I have no more hints, right? No more hints are available. I am going to take a wild guess and say mm-hmm. Julian Assange. Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm ah. terribly sorry. The correct answer was Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter, the uh, baseball player, uh, he, he's been mentioned at least two times, but he's never appeared as a voice. Teller, the silent part of Penn and Teller, has actually done a voice on the show twice. All right, let's see if you can bounce back with question number five. This is difficult, but you, you may have a good stab at it here. Now in its 31st season, The Simpsons continues to be the longest-running scripted primetime TV show in American history. Within 10, as of this recording, how many episodes have The Simpsons aired? Within 10? Within 10. 31 seasons, mm-hmm. about 20 episodes each. Oh, boy, the, but then I'm going to get... Okay. And there's going to be math involved, yeah. I know, right? 23. Can I use a calculator? Uh, Helen, That's it's okay. up to you. Sure. You can use a calculator, Jordan. Will it help? Let's see. Okay. I'm going to guess mm-hmm. they have aired around mm-hmm. 713 episodes. Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm sorry. Uh, you may need a new calculator. Uh, oh, yeah. Or perhaps you've got to take it out of base nine. Uh, <laughs> no, the, uh, the correct answer is 679. They probably will oh. get to that 700 plus mark, yeah. but 679. Uh, fun fact, the previous record had been Gunsmoke, which ran for 635 episodes. All right, Jordan, you struggled a little bit in that round, but you still did all right. Here is your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your second cluster fact. Nice. Still works for me. I love it. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. It wouldn't be The Simpsons without Lisa Simpson, who was actually the first character on the show to be referred to by name and who isn't afraid to be political. For up to three points, what is Lisa's middle name? What real-life politician said in 2018 that the Democrats are the party of Lisa Simpson? And what is the correct pronunciation of the actor who voices Lisa Simpson? Okay, so uh, let's see. Oh, middle name. Mm-hmm. I'll 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 sideline that one. Which politician right. said that the Democrats are the party of Lisa Simpson? I believe that was Ted Cruz. Uh, okay. The pronunciation of the actor's name who mm-hmm. plays Lisa Simpson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to say Yardley Smith. Okay. And her middle name. When have we heard her middle name? Boy, I'm trying to think. Um, oh boy. You are welcome so know- to use a calculator for this answer as well. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Her name is uh, Hello Upside Down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Is it like what is it? What a Marge's sisters? I don't know. I'll, I'll just say Anne. Um, Anne, and then and get it wrong. And you're gonna stick with Ted Cruz and with Yardley Smith. Am I saying that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Here with us tonight is the host and producer of the true crime podcast, Small Town Dicks, and the Emmy-winning voice of Lisa Simpson, it's Yardley Smith. Yardley Smith, hello. Hi, it's Yard- Yardley going to be here. It's just Lisa Simpson. Just <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm I'm freaking out. (laughs) That's a little weird. It's a little awesome. 
Man, this is what a thrill! Thank you. This boy, bo- I'm, I'm, I'm a gog. You're one of my. Uh, it's Lisa's one of my favorite characters. It's such a great performance. This is really great. Thank you, thank you so much, Jordan. I felt like those questions were super hard. I actually got sort of close to the math on how many episodes we've aired because I remember that this past Halloween we made a big deal that that Halloween episode was episode number six six six. Ooh. Yes. Just like it was planned from the beginning, I'm sure. (laughs) That's what we said. (laughs) I was positive Jay Keith was just going to ask me for a list of Troy McClure movies. I had them on the top of my head, ready to rattle off. Oh, my God. I would so not get that one. How do you think that The Simpsons would hold up during a quarantine coronavirus situation? Oh, my God. Well, if you remember the very early bumpers on Tracy Ullman's show, and mm-hmm. uh, the there's that episode where the Simpsons go to see um, Dr. Marvin Monroe for family therapy, I feel like it would just be an extended version of that catastrophe. <laughs> Them just electroshocking each other? Yeah. <laughs> and just the constant fighting. And uh, I don't know. There might be body parts in the basement by the time we mm. were done here. <laughs> Where were you in production when, when, uh, when this quarantining happened? Were you, were you guys making new episodes? We actually just started recording season 32 at the beginning of March, and we usually record all together like an old radio play. Mm -hmm. But now, because, of course, we're all on lockdown and in quarantine, so although I have my own equipment because of Small Town Dicks because of the podcast, but for most everybody else, they sent them equipment, and we're all recording in our houses. Mm. It will be interesting to see, even with all of the technology that you have now for post-production, if you can make our sound uniform enough to actually use it on air, or if we're just sending in really, really good temp tracks. Hopefully not the (laughs) latter, because... Just just a bunch of auditions. (laughs) Right? Pretty much. (laughs) Do you have like a a go-to recording spot in your house? I do. I sent them a couple of tests. I sent one from my closet. (laughs) The closet is quite small. (laughs) And of course, I thought the clothes would be a nice sort of damper. They liked that. And then I have actually at my house, it was a storage room, 10 feet by 10 feet. And I was like, I don't want a storage room because I don't want a place to put more stuff. I don't like stuff. Um, (laughs) And so I made it into a bar, like literally had it refitted and decked out into a little bistro. And so I was, I did one test in there and they said, oh yes, oh yes, that's the place. So I I literally (laughs) recording in the bar. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's awesome. Well, of course, people know you from The Simpsons and from your voice work, but uh, you've done a lot of stuff on camera and on stage. I remember you. I loved you on Herman's Head. People remember you recurring on Dharma and Greg. You've been in movies like As Good As It Gets. I was intrigued to learn that you actually never went to drama school. That's true. I I decided I would, um, I got a job literally three days out of high school at a good theater in Washington, D.C., where I grew up. And it was Mm -hmm. a sketch comedy show and it was a new play. And because of that, doing, being in that play with four other people, I got these wild, extraordinary, just what? I've never gotten reviews like that since. Just crazy, amazing, you're the best thing since pie. And so because <laughs> Take of that, that slice bread. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it really launched me and I was very lucky. And so I, I learned on the job. I, I was uh, mm. 
glad that people allowed me to do that. Well, you made your Broadway debut at age 19, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, yes. you had a lot of great people to learn from there. Tell us about the cast of the show that you were cast in there. The funny thing is when I auditioned, so Mike Nichols directed at the time, it was a new play called The Real Thing by Tom Stoppard. Now they've done several revivals of it. It starred Jeremy Irons, Glenn Close, Peter Gallagher, Christine Baranski, Vito Reginis, um, and And then Cynthia Nixon. And Tell Cynthia, us about the Cynthia Nixon. Nixon connection. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's what I auditioned. I went to read for Jeremy Irons's daughter. Then they said, "Okay, fantastic. Come back and read for Mike Nichols," which I did. And then they said, "Oh, great, you got the job." I said, "Oh my God, this is incredible!" And they said, "The job is for the understudy." And I was like, "I'm sorry, what?" Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, I'd literally been in New York for six weeks and I had a brand new agent. And here I thought, like, you don't understand. This is not part of my plan for world domination, being the understudy. (laughs) And my agent thought, who the f*** are you? Like, what is your problem? What? You will sit down and pay attention and you will take this job. And I was understudying Cynthia Nixon. She had already been cast in the role. And... She was lovely, lovely as could be. And um, I still had to be at the theater every night. You know, it's only one scene. I, I mean, what better learning environment than mm-hmm. having to go to every single rehearsal? I went, you know, out of town with them. We did the out of town run in Boston. Then they opened on Broadway in January 1984. And then, as luck would have it, Mike Nichols pulled Cynthia out of the real thing in March of 1984 after only about two and a half months to put her in another play he was directing on Broadway, and I got to take over her part. It Mm. was a huge break for me. And what I didn't know was understudies almost never take over a role. (gasps) So I really, I know it's so bizarre. You think, well, isn't that why you hired me? And they're like, no, no. 90% of the time will go out and recast that part. What? And the understudy stays as the understudy. If I'd known that, I would have been homicidal. (laughs) I just, I mean... Yeah, well, well, theater ended up being your uh, segue into uh, voice work. You were discovered for The Simpsons while you were doing small theater in L.A. That's true. I was doing a new play called Living on Salvation Street, playing a girl who sang Elvis Presley songs and wanted to join the army, which is about as far from Lisa Simpson as you can get. Although, (laughs) speaking of, um, can I answer the question that Jordan couldn't get Lisa's middle name? Yes, I'm dying to know. It's Lisa Marie, and she's (gasps) named after Elvis Presley's daughter. What? Yes. Michael Jackson's ex-wife? <laughs> yes! <laughs> I didn't know the uh... Marge was a big Elvis fan? <laughs> Honestly, there's so much of the writers in Lisa Simpson. She really mm-hmm. is as much their alter ego as she is mine. I can't remember if we ever said in an episode that they were fans of Elvis, but that was how she got Lisa Marie. So back to your... Um, point about being in a play in a tiny tiny theater in LA that and I think literally like 17 people saw this play but (laughs) a year later one of those people would cast the Simpsons on the Tracy Ullman show and said I know who should play Lisa Simpson oh my god and she remembered you from that 17 person uh play the 17 person that is so that's like a scene from La La Land it really is it's like a you know a scene out of Lana Turner's life it's just it's a Mm. thing that Never happens, but I do think it points to the fact that if you really love what you do, you should just keep doing it and do it all the time. 
if you really, really, really want to succeed, you have to be prepared to play the long game. And this mm-hmm. notion that, you know, there are these overnight successes are actually usually false. You ask anybody who's been called an overnight success and they're like, yeah, that took about uh, 15 years or <laughs> even five years. Or So when people ask me now, so Yardley, how do you get into voiceover? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Do a play about Elvis in LA that 17 people see? Exactly. <laughs> you never that. know. Do that. You just never know. Oh, so eating a bag of Ruffles potato chips every day is not, that's not going to help. <laughs> I didn't say that, Ellen. Yeah, yeah, you that never know. Not, you never that's know. That's not true. <laughs> uh, you've obviously had great success uh, as a voiceover artist, but you, you said earlier about sort of that wasn't the plan uh, when you're talking about uh, being the understudy. Uh, having that voiceover success, you've said, wasn't part of your plan also. And I've even read that you said that you didn't feel it counted and that you felt for a while or for a long time that you were sort of slumming it. Uh, how, how did you come around to, to accept and, and enjoy uh, the success that you had? It's an interesting, and I still think that it's somewhat pervasive in show business that people feel like voiceover is not real acting. It's sort of second tier, you're the ugly stepchild kind of acting. I get people saying, you just do voiceover, right? And of course, it's Mm. the just being the qualifier as though that's not really... Let alone that they're wrong, that you've had all these incredible on screen and on stage credits as well. Yes, thank you. Um, But for myself, when, Mm -hmm. as I said, I had a very, very lofty and quite specific idea of what my success would look like and what I wanted it to look like. And I think because I'd been teased so mercilessly for having this funny, high, nasally voice as a kid that I didn't, it didn't even occur to me that my voice could be any sort of an asset. And so Mm. voiceover just never made the list. And when I got The Simpsons, I was happy to do it as long as it didn't keep me from being, you know, this huge television and movie star being on Broadway and winning Tonys and things like that. Mm. And so, and I too bought into the, oh, it's just voiceover. Mm. And I remember thinking, I don't want to be here. And I thought, you know what, Yardley, that's on you. Mm. So this is an Mm. extraordinary opportunity. And if you can't see that, and if you can't take this opportunity, the, the visibility, the financial gains, all of the gifts that come with this job, not to mention you're playing a character that you love every week. Mm-hmm. If you can't make something out of it, that's your fault. And mm-hmm. I really, really had this wow. aha moment and thought, you got to f- pull up your socks and get on with it, lady, because <laughs> wow. you landed in the honeypot. So just get right with that. That's so great that you had enough time for that to, to develop and then yes. even more time after that to appreciate it. You're absolutely right. It, this job has been a gift in so many ways, not the least of which is I get to play one of what I consider the best, most interesting, fully formed, multifaceted, funny characters ever created for a female on the big screen or the small screen. And oh, to and- be... You know, to be part of her heart and mind is an enormous privilege. And she's such an inspiration and people, you know, you've inspired literally probably millions of girls and boys and people, you know, Lisa Simpson is such an iconic character and people love her and she's so lovable and what you bring to, to that character is so amazing. So it's crazy to think that you were like bummed out to play her when people were like, I oh know. my God. <laughs> but it took me forever to to realize that it's 
great and important and necessary to have a goal, but it took me a really long time to figure out that you should not attach to the vision of that goal. These are such wonderful words of wisdom, and I'm going to think back on these words later when I'm eating Ruffles potato chips in my closet <laughs> with with no pants on. With no pants on. <laughs> yeah, hey, you never know. Lana so Turner was allegedly discovered at the uh, at a soda shop, so you know it could be, exactly it could be right. you at the uh, at the Ruffles shop. Um, <clears throat> well, speaking of uh, never knowing where things lead you, uh, you're now in the sixth season of uh, your podcast called Small Town Dicks. Uh, and when I first heard, like, when I first heard, oh, you're doing a true crime podcast, I have to say I was a little prejudiced because there's so many out there that are so, that that I find are just sort of people gawking and 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 uh, sort of almost being sort of pornographic about about some of the, the the crimes and human suffering. Yours has a real different tone that I really really resonated with me. Tell us a little bit about why you wanted to do this true crime podcast and the perspective that you take on it, which is so different. I co-host the podcast with identical twin detectives, Dan and Dave. Oh, that and, old uh, trope. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I know. It's so funny that if like, if you literally put that scenario up yeah. on television where you had identical <laughs> twin detectives who worked at the same police agency in a small town sitting across yeah. the bullpen from each other, you'd be like, that's so stupid. Come on. That's a little. <laughs> I like the good guys to win. I, I sort of call it my kindergarten view of the world where you're brought up to think, oh, one plus one equals two instead of sometimes it seems to equal three or that old adage where if you do your work and you do well, um, you will be rewarded. Of course, that's not always true. One of the things that also interests me is I was a real rule follower as a kid. And so who are these people who have no interest in following the rules that the rest of us follow in society in order for society to function well? Like, who are these people who just go, that doesn't apply to me? And then they go off and do whatever they want, right? And so if that's true, I also want to know that there's another body of people that is willing to say, don't worry, I will go toward the things that all of the rest of you run from, and we will put the train back on the tracks. And for me, that's law enforcement. So the tone of our show, it was absolutely paramount. It was it was a deal breaker for Dan and Dave that the tone of our show be really reverent toward the victims mm. and their families and not to sensationalize these crimes. They take that really, really seriously. And the other thing about our podcast, which is sort of interesting and unique, I think, is that because, as you said, the true crime space is hugely crowded and mm you often hear about the same crimes over and over again because they're the most well-known. But on our podcast, because we realize the fact that big-time crime is happening in small towns everywhere mm. surprises a lot of people like me who grew up in cities and with the same level of depravity and violence and reckless disregard for human life as it happens in New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, but sure. with somewhat less frequency. Uh, the way that you uh, met one of those detectives is, is very interesting. <laughs> Can you tell us about that briefly and yeah, the relationship that you developed? I was the guest of honor at a Simpsons unveiling of a mural in this small town for the 25th anniversary of the Simpsons. And I actually wasn't the person who was supposed to go to do this unveiling. They had gone through 20th Century Fox 
and said, we want to do a tribute to the Simpsons. Uh, Fox said, great. Thanks for going through us. Uh, you'll pay for it. We'll design it. And then at the end of it, somebody from the show can come and do the unveiling. And originally, that was supposed to be our showrunner, this man named Al Jean. Literally two weeks before the event, Al says, I can't do the event. So they come to me and I say, Yardley, you want to go and do this unveil this mural? And I said, no, no, I do not. And they're like, oh, God, please, somebody <laughs> has to go. <laughs> and really, by and large, I'll do anything for my show. And I said, OK, what's the deal? Yeah, we've, said, we've no. noticed. Um, <laughs> I really will. I mean, I really, really will. <laughs> and they said, well, it's on a Monday, this little uh, this ceremony where you're going to you know, we'll write you a little speech. But the thing is, there's only two direct flights a day from Los Angeles to this little town. Aww. And you have to go on a Sunday because if you go on Monday, you'll be late for the ceremony. <laughs> so oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> I said, now you have to right. overnight it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I said, okay, that sounds like a really pretty small town. What kind of security do you have? And they were like, hold, please. And so they go away. <laughs> And about four days later, they came back and they said, okay, we are going to assign you a plainclothes detective from the local PD. And that was Detective Dan. Oh, wow. No way. Yes. He, was, so, your, he was your muscle for the weekend? Yes. And you know what's <laughs> funny is what I found out after the fact was when the chief of police went to the pool of detectives, of which there are nine, that gives you some idea of, mm. you know, this small wow. town. Um, and said, who wants to guard the celebrity? Nobody raised their hand. (laughs) 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 And we really hit it off. And so I then, we started talking on the phone, and then I started to go up to his small town about every other weekend to see him. And now we're engaged. Whoa! Mazeltov, I didn't know that last part. What a wait, story! He's, wait, he's the one that you're quarantining with right now at yes. your house. What? Detective Dan, is oh, he still, stop my it! God. Is he still plain closed? <laughs> he's still plain closed, but he is also retired. So, does anything in your life come from having planned it? Because it sounds like everything is just sort of an accident that you that you ended up because of your your talent and opportunity working out so great. <laughs> I just feel like I have this overabundance of courage. I'm not actually yeah. fearless at all, not in the least. Yardley, I can't believe that you're going to end up marrying one of the twin dicks. I am. I am, Helen. That, I've never had it put to me quite that way, but yes. <laughs> well, 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 now we have something to put on the centerpiece, Helen. Thank you for that lovely phrase. Yardley, we could talk to you about this uh, all night. It's wonderful hearing these great stories. Let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as the game is concerned, though. You heard the questions that we asked Jordan. First, we wanted to know, and we heard your answers before, but just to get it official. First, we wanted to know from Jordan, what is the middle name of Lisa Simpson? Helen, what was Jordan's answer? Jordan said Anne. And Yardley? It's Marie. Lisa it is Marie. Marie. Not Lisa <laughs> uh, all right, no point there. But the next question we asked was what real-life politician in 2018 said that the Democrats are the party of Lisa Simpson. Helen, what did Jordan say? Jordan said Ted Cruz. And Yardley? That is correct. And that is correct. I a actually, point for Jordan. Yes. Yay, Jordan. And I actually answered Ted Cruz in an interview and then on Twitter. He said it in a really kind of pejorative way. And I said yeah. – you know, as a guy who is supposed to to be working together, I thought mm-hmm. that was um, 
really not his best moment. Yeah. Not yeah, he good, handled it with much more much more class and articulation than he could ever hope to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then finally we wanted to know what is the correct pronunciation of the actor who voices Lisa Simpson? Helen, what did Jordan say? Jordan said Yardley Smith. And I love you, Jordan. I cannot tell you an entire lifetime of being called Yeardley or Yeardley or even <laughs> Dorothy or Debbie. I just want to—I want to give you a hug. I want to hug oh, you for a long time. Yeah, that's Thank a you. point I'm, for Jordan. I am, I am receiving your digital quarantine hug. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Uh, and uh, Jordan, while we have uh, Yardley Smith here, is there anything you'd like to say or uh, ask of her? Man, well, yeah. To, I, just with the Ted Cruz thing, you know, I, th- I think if you did grow up a brainy kid and you got into, you know, the arts or creativity, you like proudly consider yourself a Lisa. I considered mm. myself a Lisa growing up and it's like, yeah, it is such a wonderful character. And I think that, yeah, people are, I don't know, probably I, I would, I would wager everybody in this virtual cocktail party that we're in right now probably considers themselves a Lisa and, uh, and is proud of it. So, uh, uh, uh way to go. And, um, it, I've always like, considered myself a bit of a disco stew, but you know. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's mostly because of the jacket. Right. <laughs> you were trying to write disco stud and you ran out of room. Yep. Yep. Um, all of us. I wanted to ask if there's any Simpsons merchandise that you consider to be your favorite or any Simpsons merchandise that you like use on a day to day basis. I actually have very little Simpsons merchandise. I have a couple of. Um, t-shirts that I sleep in, like night shirts, and one of my all-time favorites, which now has holes in it, I've had it so long, is the Scream, Lisa Simpson as the Scream. Mm. Um, the Munch painting? Uh, yes, yes, yeah. Edvard Munch, uh, mm. which I adore. I have another little keychain of Lisa Simpson as um, in Edvard Munch's The Scream. Ooh, ooh, and there is, I have a great tie tack pin of Lisa Simpson flying like Superman. She's wearing, or Supergirl, she's wearing a little cape. I actually did a run of them so many years ago because when I found them, I bought all about a dozen of them that I found in this little shop. I did a, a little run on my own, which, of course, back in the, 90s you could do before everybody saw you do everything and um <laughs> and i give them out you know to very very special people so jordan oh. perhaps <gasps> oh that would find be amazing a way to send one your way oh i would oh, love that i would I send I would. one to eat everybody in the crew that Yay. would be so cool Yay. that would be oh, that's so, so cool. generous oh, and kind God. of you thank oh, you they're uh, really great. Well, you are really great, and it's amazing considering you know. Obviously, I'm 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 older than Jordan, but sort of, but certainly in the same the same boat demographically as as far as this was right in my wheelhouse. Uh, uh, you know, when Simpsons first came on, I I believe I have seen every episode. I still watch it today. It's an absolute treat and delight, not just to talk to you because you were Lisa Simpson, but because of all the wonderful things that you had to share with us today, ladies and gentlemen, Yardley Smith. Yeah, thank you. you what a delight. Uh, all right, Helen, what is Jordan's score at the end of that round? Jordan has 12 points. Congratulations, Jordan. You have surpassed your original total, and you have now tied your previous opponent's total with 12 points. And now it is time for our final round we call Fast Facts. Playing against you, Jordan, we have a special guest. Helen, who do we have? Let's welcome back Monique Powell. Hi again, Monique. 
Hi, everybody. Excellent. All right, Jordan and Monique, I'm going to read 10 statements, and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Jordan and alternate between each guest. This will determine Jordan's final score. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Jordan, Frank Sinatra appeared in movies. Uh, True. Correct. Monique, Frank Sinatra appeared on television. True. Correct. Jordan, Frank Sinatra appeared on an episode of Magnum P.I., Boy, uh, true? Correct. Yes, he did. Monique, Frank Sinatra appeared on an episode of Miami Vice. False. Correct. That's right, he never did. Jordan, Frank Zappa appeared on an episode of Miami Vice. That sounds false. Incorrect. No, he really Uh, did. hmm. Monique, Frank Zappa appeared on an episode of The A-Team. False. Correct. Jordan, Boy George appeared on an episode of The A-Team. I might go false again, but maybe? Incorrect. No, he really did. Uh, Monique, on that episode of the A-Team, Boy George plays himself. True. Correct. Jordan, on that episode, as himself, Boy George kicks down a door and helps the A-Team escape. Oh, please be true. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Absolutely. Monique, the episode ends with Boy George singing Karma Chameleon while Mr. T dances. Oh, God, it has to be true. Yes, that is correct. I know what I'm looking up on YouTube after this is done. (laughs) And finally, Jordan, that is how all episodes of television should end. Oh, true. Correct. (laughs) All right, we're not counting that last one, but let's give a nice woo for both Jordan and Monique. Monique, I believe you got all of your answers correct. Uh, Thank you so much for playing, and thank you again for joining us, Monique Powell. Bye. Bye, Monique. Bye. Bye. Helen, are you ready to announce Jordan's final score? I am. At the end of the game, Jordan Morris has 15 points. Congratulations, Jordan. You beat your previous record of nine and a half, and you beat Allison Rosen's score of 12. You are today's (laughs) facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. What will Uh, you do with your championship, Jordan? I'm going to keep it inside with me and not leave my house. (laughs) That sounds like an excellent plan. I'm going to smooch it under my blanket. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, let's stop there. Uh, all right, let's just leave us an opportunity for everyone on the show to promote anything they would like. Jordan, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, I do a podcast called Jordan Jesse Go. Both Jay Keith and Helen have been on. Uh, you can get that at MaximumFun.org. And uh, keep an eye out for Earth to Ned coming soon to your Disney Plus machine. Excellent. It was wonderful to have you on our show. Thank you again so much, Mr. Jordan Morris. Ladies and gentlemen, my hosting partner is the lovely and talented and pantsless Ms. Helen Hong. Helen, what are you going on? Where can people find you? People can follow me on the socials at Funny Helen Hong. And uh, if you're listening to this in April, HBO has just made a lot of their shows free on HBO.com. And I'm on Silicon Valley, the final season. So you can check me out there. Excellent. Congratulations, Miss Helen Hong. Uh, and me, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith, on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Jordan Morris, Monique Powell, Yardley Smith. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Update our wiki at gofactorwiki.fandom.com and buy our T-shaped shirt at maxfunstore.com. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live. Eventually, right? It's free. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. And give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts like our dog Tucker did. He, she, or they said the hosts are absolutely charming, the contestants are hilarious, and the expert guests are always fascinating. What more do you want? I don't want anything, our dog Tucker. Thanks so much. Helen? 
Maybe pants. Pants could be good. <laughs> Go Fact Yourself as a panel quiz program devised by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from various homes across Los Angeles. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Go Fact Yourself's theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun's senior producer is Laura Swisher. Our live show engineer is Dave McKeever. Today's show is engineered and edited by the wonderful Julian Burrell. Special thanks to Ben Lindbergh of the Effectively Wild podcast. Allie Gertz of the Round Springfield podcast, Amanda Dolan and Rebecca Kanak at Metro Public Relations, Ryan Long, Christian Malmeen, Spencer Marks, Sarah Rodenbaugh, Clint Tauscher, Mike Avellanos, Carol Davis, Adam Needif, Dave Bianchi, Eric Tran, and Christine Vallada. I've been Helen Hong in my closet with no pants. Let's go watch 31 seasons of The Simpsons. Woo-hoo! We've got time. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported